0: The moment has arrived. I'm Tom Dickinson, and you are listening to The Moment, a podcast about a television show about a Time Lord whose name is Doctor Who. Each week on The Moment, I am joined by a guest for a chat about a particular moment from an episode of the show that my guest has chosen because they have things to say and think and feel about it. And speaking of feels, my guest this week is one of the masterminds behind the blog Head Over Feels, as well as being movies editor at Bustle, Sage Young. Sage brought a moment from the second part of The End of Time, David Tennant's two-part swan song as the Tenth Doctor. It's something of a divisive story. Fans tend to love it or hate it. If you haven't seen The End of Time, or if you've blocked it out, I won't recap the storyline, because I didn't recap the storyline in the first episode of Season 2 of The Moment, when Chip Sutterth picked another moment from the very same episode, so it wouldn't be right and proper for me to go ahead and recap it now. That's right, this is actually the first time we've had a repeat appearance from an episode on The Moment. But while Chip was interested in the end of this episode, during which the 11th Doctor made his debut, Sage is focusing on the portion of the episode where the 10th Doctor, David Tennant, is still with us. The Master, as played by John Sim, has enacted his bizarre plan to turn every human being on Earth into a copy of himself using the Immortality Gate, and the Doctor and his companion Wilfred Mott have escaped to a derelict spaceship in orbit around the planet. Unsure of their next move, the Doctor begins to tinker with the spaceship, and Wilf comes by to check on how he's doing. That's where Sage's moment begins.
1: In End of Time, Part Two, David Tennant's last episode. Got this old tub mended. The Tenth Doctor. Trying to fix the heating. And Wilf, oh, who has oh. been his companion for. I've always dreamt of a view like that. These two specials yeah. Yeah. <laughs> are an sort of sitting in a dead yeah. spaceship. It's dawn over england look they're just talking through
0: brand new day
1: what's happened um this is when the master has used the immortality gate to turn everyone on earth into him and uh my wife's buried down there wolf it's it's like a really morbid conversation i might never visit her again now because wolf is like do you think he changed them in their graves It's just like okay alright cool so we're on that level like we're on that level I'm sorry. of just like morbidity and yeah, not your fault sadness and angst and he's basically talking like Ooh, 1948 I was over there like he's so old end of the mandate in Palestine Wolf is so old like he's lived so long yeah you don't want to listen to an old man's tales do you and it's basically the doctor being like I'm older than you you think so yeah, right. and telling him I'm 906 how old that he is oh really though yeah and Wolf says 900 years We must look like insects to you. (laughs) And the doctor says, I think you look like giants. I think you look like giants. It's just this beautiful culmination of their dynamic that they've had throughout this episode. It's everything that we're leading to in terms of how the 10th Doctor actually does start to regenerate, which has everything to do with Wilf, everything to do with his love for Humankind and like David Tennant's delivery is just like I love it when it sounds like he's like chewing on words and it sounds like that, you know, like he's like, I think you look like giants, I think you look like giants, he relishes it, yeah, and it's always been so beautiful to me, and I have it tattooed on my own body so.
0: Yeah. Why do you think Wilf is so fascinated and interested in the doctor? Because that's kind of what draws that observation out from the doctor.
1: Yeah, that's very true. I think the doctor says at one point in the no, first part, people like, you have
0: waited hundreds of years to find me and then you manage it in a couple of hours. You know,
1: why is it always you? Like, why do I keep running into you? Oh, we keep on meeting Wilf over and over again, like something's still connecting us what's so important about me you know and we know exactly why you logistically how that happens in like our world but i think that you know having bernard Cribbins like come back making him donna's grandfather set up one of those like this is meaningful for this particular reason and i think he i love wilf because he sees the doctor two ways like i'm waiting. Wolf. We'll for? He sees the doctor through Donna's eyes. The right man. He obviously loves Donna and is very proud of her and respects her. And right. the first he ever heard of this person is because he's still out there. Donna saying Somewhere. like how wonderful he and is. And I'll find him, Gramps. And how she needed to get back to even him, even
0: if I have to wait a hundred years.
1: And how she wanted to see. I'll find him. You know, the universe, like with him and through him. And so he has that already in his mind. And then Wolf like develops this other relationship with him. And I think I'm fine.
0: I'll watch out for you, sir. You can't ever tell her.
1: No, no. The Tenth Doctor is honest with Wolf in a way that he isn't with Donna because he is being protective of her as he is with is a little paternalistic you know like he is a little bit with his female companions where he's like you know i can't i can't tell you too much and with Wilf, he's sort of like i'm going to die yeah when i die it hurts like it's gonna (laughs) suck even if i change it feels like dying you know and he just tells him the truth so i think they have this lovely everything i am dies you know on one end he has the hero worship thing and on this other side Wilf also i think feels very paternal towards the doctor like he sees everything that he is dealing with and he feels like on one level oh you're so wonderful you're you're this wonderful man he's been looking for him with his silver cloak silver clothes, cronies phone Nettie, who phoned june and her sister lives opposite broadville and she saw the police box and her but on the other hand i think he starts to see like oh this is too much for even you like y- you shouldn't have this on your shoulders. So they just have this lovely relationship. I've, I've always loved their dynamic. It's cool that it was Wilf who got to be there for this part of the end of his life.
0: Yeah, it, it's interesting you, you bring up the comparison between how he relates to Wilf versus how he relates to Donna, because there are a couple scenes in this two-part story, particularly where the conversations that the Doctor and Wilf have sometimes turn to Donna, mm-hmm. and the way they talk about her is like two family members talking about a third family member Yeah. That they're like, oh, geez, we got to look out for this person. We got to figure out what's best for them.
1: For sure. Oh, God, when they see her, he brings him to the cafe and he's like, why this one? There's so many. Just
0: go to her now. Go on. Just run across the street. Go up and say hello.
1: And it's because he wants him to see Donna, you know, and he's just like, would not she make you laugh again? Good old Donna. He sees that loneliness that all of the doctor's companions come to see at some point in time. Like he sees that loneliness. He knows that Donna is lonely, even though she doesn't fully realize it or why. And I love that Wilf is just sort of like trying to kind of match make them again. Like he's like, oh. What if I just bring them back together? It'll ever everything will be better for everyone. And of course, like we know that that can't happen. So it's incredibly sad.
0: The other dimension of that that's so interesting is nothing to say. The master, in what he intends to be a cruel mocking tone calls Sorry. Will. You let him go, you swine. Oh. Your dad's still kicking up a fuss. The doctor's dad. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. I'd be proud if I was. But Hush, They both no. feel flattered by that observation. Yeah.
1: Oh, it's lovely, and I feel like they're being told something that they already know and they don't really think that that's an insult to either of them you know we don't think a lot about the doctor having somebody who he needs to look up to and yeah I mean when he says that he'd be proud I'd be proud of what? if you were my dad He's just this man. Come on, don't stop. He lives in this town and takes care of his family and loves Christmas, you know, and, and the the tenth doctor has this like immense respect for him. And it just really again, like it just like exemplifies why that doctor in particular is just so in awe and touched and charmed by humankind, even when he's not, even when he's furious because like why you know why why is it wolf like what is so special about him it's just it's not there's nothing that's really particularly special about him he's just this lovely human man and truly <laughs> that's the doctor's kryptonite
0: yeah we learned a few things about wolf in this scene about his backstory like private much skinny little idiot i was the specifics of his military service stood on this rooftop in the middle of a skirmish. The fact that he had a wife, she was buried, and nothing we learn there is particularly like an earth-shattering revelation that tells us something shocking about him. It's just like these small humanizing details that flesh him out as a person, and as a human, as as the kind of person that the Doctor is talking about when he, when he talks about that he sees them as giants. Mm-hmm,
1: exactly, yeah. And it's also like his military service butting up against this whole idea throughout these episodes of the Doctor taking up arms, having to kill the Master, needing to Kill the master, whether that's going to happen or not. Even though they don't really talk about it as such, they've had that experience. You know, Wolf has military service, like, he understands that it's not nothing to take life presumably he gets that on some level but yeah i think it's just this build to what is going to happen it's all giving us these emotional moments between the two of them like letting the doctor hear these really personal details about wolf and it just makes the culmination of all of this and the real horror knocks all the more significant and devastating
0: Yeah, and that that kind of actually, there's an interesting contrast between what the Doctor is saying in this scene and the things that he says in that scene.
1: You had to go and get stuck,
0: oh yes! When he does hear those four knocks and realizes that... Because that's who you are, Wilfred. It's Wilf that he's going to have to sacrifice himself for to... You were always this. ...regenerate and, as far as he knows, possibly die. Waiting for me all this time. And the Doctor has a sort of bitterness... I'm an old man, Doctor. ...about that. I've had my time. Well, exactly, look at you. Wilf is, there's nothing remotely... Not remotely important. ...special about him. He doesn't have a great destiny in front of him. But He's, me? In the later years of his relatively unremarkable life... I could do so much more! You know, what What he says in that scene is... So much more! You know, he could do so much more and... But this is what I get. My reward. How do you think about...
1: But it's not
0: that! The way those two sentiments interact with one another.
1: I think that the reason why he's having that tantrum is because he knows what he's going to do and he knows why he's going to do it. It's sort of a tantrum in the way that we all sort of can get to that point before we are doing something that we know that we have to do and really ultimately want to do. No, no, please, please don't. No, don't, don't! Please don't, please! No, and then he he turns on a dime at the end of that, like at the end of that tantrum. Wilfred. He calms down and is like, It's my honor. It would be my honor. Better be quick. I don't you know, people get really down on these two specials and they get down on the tenth doctor being too angsty in his regeneration, being too human. And I've never seen that. I really just think that first of all, it's in line with his character. This was the doctor who was the most like recognizable to a lot of us. I think a lot of his emotions are very relatable and maybe in the way that, you know, some of the eleven doctors weren't. Or Ecclesons weren't, they're a little bit more alien. I think his are very, you know, he's this sort of like wounded romantic hero. And we get that archetype, first of all, like we recognize that. And also we recognize it in ourselves. And I think giving him that moment to sort of melt down, because that's what any of us would do i think you would just be like are you serious like after all of this are you serious this is how it's gonna go down it's just this visceral thing i mean i love the paint i'm just like yeah make him cry
0: like he he is so sure that this is what he needs to do as you say but like that doesn't mean it's easy that doesn't mean he likes it
1: because it's fun Right. God knows it's not because it's easy.
0: That doesn't mean he doesn't have this really, really petty resentment of the fact that...
1: It's not even because it works, because it hardly ever does.
0: God, this is my principle and I have to live up to it. I do what I do because it's right! That's always been a scene that a lot of people have, you know, talked a lot of crap about. Mm -hmm. There there are people who say that it lessens the Doctor's heroism to see him struggle, but I think it, like, the fact that it's hard makes it all the more... It feels all the more heroic that he does the right thing anyway.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I think it also again, makes that relationship with Wilf even more intimate because he sort of, he breaks down in front of him. Like he lets him see that it is not easy and he knows he's going to force him out of that thing anyway. And I think it's different to like, I don't know, if you had Rose Tyler in that thing, or if you had like a child or something, that whole dynamic would be different. But that idea that it's not that he's saving him because he's going to live this great life and cure cancer or because this is Rose and he loves her romantically or like whatever. It's purely just because it is the right thing to do and because he is the one who will on some level survive this. And because it's sort of like Wilf came for him. In the same way that Donna did, you know, I mean, he was really like hunting for this guy because he needed his if help. There's one thing I'm certain of: when people need help, I never refuse. And that was what right. happened in the first place. That's what started this whole thing. Is Wolf being like, I know that something is wrong, and I know that there's only one person in this entire universe that can fix we it. We need the doctor, and More than ever. there's no way that the doctor is gonna let the end of that be Wilf dying just because he's an old man. There's just no way.
0: Yeah. To get back to the sort of moment itself, the sentiment of, I think you look like giants. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you see reflected in the Doctor's other lives, or is it something that you think of as really specific and particular to the Tenth Doctor?
1: No, I don't think it's specific or particular to him. You know, we've seen that we saw that a lot. In, Do you want to come for tea at Matt? Definitely. Jodie sees it as well. Like, yes, I would. Thanks. I love tea. Tea at Yaz's? Amazing. I love like her sort of... Are you in We're all going for tea. Just joy at seeing humans, fi- you know, having a couch, like a, a sofa, and a mortgage, and you know, she's she's like excited by these human things. But it's almost more the way that she's been written so far. It's a little more like tell me how Arthur Weasley what exactly loves like the function of a rubber duck Muggle artifacts. Oh, um, <laughs> you yes. know, like he's like, isn't this neat? And I think with the Tenth Doctor, it's so much grander on some level. Especially as we're meeting them in this moment in this episode, like he's about to tell Wolf that. The time lords are returning. Well, I mean, that's good. I mean, that's your and he's people. Like, no, <laughs> like it's terrible. It's literally the worst thing that could happen. These people are awful, you know, and he's like, they're your people, but that doesn't make them good. And I think the 10th doctor sort of lets himself be. Adopted by the human race in a way that nine he wasn't quite there yet. Hmm. Like the tenth Doctor was like, okay, we're done with the Time Lords, and these are these are my people now. I'm these I'm gonna make these people my people.
0: Why do you think in all his lives the Doctor is so interested in human beings as opposed to all the other people, creatures, things?
1: Maybe the obvious answer is that they are very much like him on a lot of levels. You know, we see he is a humanoid sure. type being. You look human. No. You look Time Lord. We came first. Humans seem to have the same weaknesses that he does. I think when he sees like emotions sort of take somebody over and threaten them, when he sees some sort of ingenuity. Like, I really love um, my other favorite episodes from Tennant's era are Impossible Planet and Satan Fit. So, mm. When it comes right down to it, why did you come in? And just like how excited Why did you do that? Why?
0: I'll tell you of why. Of
1: course humans would go down in the big, scary because hole. Because it was there. Brilliant. Where there's probably the devil. Uh, Zach, wasn't it? That's me. Just stand there, because I'm going to hug you. I don't know. And just the idea that... So. You'd be like, uh... Oh, Come in. Well, I guess we got to go down there, you know. Oh, human beings, you are amazing! He's like so ah. thrilled by that, because that's uh. exactly what he would do. Thank you. That's so all. Uh. Well apart from that, you're completely mad. You should pack, your back, get back in that ship and fly for your lives. I you think it's curiosity, it. okay. it's being ruled by your emotions on some level. That emotional aspect of the doctor, that sort of the part that people argue about with tenant of whether he's earned that or not people seem to also get mad like he doesn't have the right to have these meltdowns in end of time too. like that he should just do what he needs to do that i don't want to go is oft debated but i think that it was those weaknesses and that desire to hold on to life and to hold on to who he was because he liked who he was in that moment that i just really connected with
0: so when you arrived at this episode was it a particular like Emotion of like dread or oh no, I can't believe that the era of the show that that I love is is over now. Or how how did you feel? with regard to this episode oh yeah
1: i was terrified i was really scared because Tennant was the first doctor that i super connected with like that was the the moment where i became incredibly emotionally involved in the show you know i sort of watched through season one and was like this is cool i'm into it it means i'm gonna change so i didn't have that moment when he regenerated where i was and i'm not gonna see you again where i was nervous or scared and not like this not with this daft old face. And I knew that was coming, but I just s- spent so got- much time with this man; I was not ready. And I watched it all extremely quickly, and I didn't know. I mean, that was the first regeneration that I was really on pins and needles about. And I was like, "Good God, I hope I like this next guy." Like, because you also sort of get freaked out. Like, do I love this show, or do I really just love this performance and this character? and am I going to completely shut off from it or not be interested after that point? Sure. Yeah, so I was extremely scared, and I probably went through it too quickly because I kind of just wanted to get that last moment over with. I think I watched the specials in probably, like, two days, that year of specials. I, I, I should have spread it out a little more.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about the uh, the character of Wilf? Is that a character that strongly resonated with you from his, you know, oh, beginning as said. a recurring character? Wolf,
1: sir. Wilfred sir, Mott. You must be one of them aliens. I don't know if yeah, I knew how out. important he would he be to was. me until these last ones. I think it was the build of that character. And when, when you meet somebody and you think, like, is this going to be... Not that Jackie isn't important to all of us, because Jackie <laughs> is important to all of us. No, Jackie, no, no, not you. Don't touch anything. But she's not particularly Stop. important to the Stop. tenth doctor. Like he could, he could pretty much take her leave her. Yeah. So you don't know when you meet somebody who's a friend or a family member or whatever if they are going to actually have a relationship with the doctor separate from the main companion. So I really had no idea. But I think it is really cool, and I'm seeing you know shades of this now.
0: Being with you and seeing all these things
1: with Jodie and Graham, it really helps. It's really cool to see somebody who's not like twenty you? years old getting to see time and space and getting to be in the doctor's universe. Uh-huh. Like I love just like you know, Will sitting there <sighs> and saying, "I'm an astronaut." <laughs> he like he thought he was gonna like live out his days quietly and be in his living room with his family and go out and look at the stars with Donna, you know. And he he just never imagined that that would happen. And I love when we don't realize that somebody is a companion until. Their companion.
0: Yeah, what do you think of the master's plan? Oh, I'm sorry, stuff? are you talking to me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, to
1: me. I don't know how to answer. It's like. Oh, to me. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Um,
0: oh, to me. Yeah, no. Do you think it's a good idea? Oh, to oh, to us. us.
1: Great plan,
0: I'm everyone. Should we all be replaced everyone. with John Sam is my question. Qual- no. Um, how do you think about that plan and its role in the story?
1: It is one of the most hard to swallow plots in modern Doctor Who. <laughs> It's truly not my favorite part of these episodes. I don't really watch them for the master like eating chicken or like being a skeleton man. You know, the visual joke of it is really funny. And, you know, having Johnson playing all these different people is certainly entertaining. But it's it's also really confusing. Like I I rewatched the episode and I was sort of like cooking and doing something else and I I got to the end of it and I was like, oh right, I have no idea like how he did that, why he did that and I had to go back and like rewatch it again because it's just not that important. However though, it's a great contrast to the master wants every human to be him and the doctor wants every human to be exactly who they are including Wolf, including Donna, including everyone that he has met. Like he prizes the individuality of other people he prizes people's free will and you know the master obviously does not I mean that's like the furthest thing from his mind
0: yeah and the reason I even ask it is kind of a silly question because it's an incredibly silly plan that doesn't seem to serve any real purpose from like a what is the master's motivation standpoint yeah but it's like as we've been talking about this moment I've kind of been talking myself into liking that aspect of the episode better <laughs> because of how much it, it's just like a deliberate erasure of everything the doctor loves, yeah. like, and everything that's being talked about in this scene specifically, right down to the fact that he's just erasing not only every living human, but, you know, Wilf's long dead wife. The whole human story is kind of under siege here. It's being threatened. That is one of the most gruesome things is like that that particular scene where Wilf has that morbid reflection about uh, about people in their graves. Yeah,
1: it's awful. I,
0: I don't think I had ever really thought that through as fully until rewatching it this time. Like, h- how much that's an, an insult to the Doctor. Maybe that's the only reason the Master's doing it at all.
1: Yeah, that for sure. And also, I sort of operate on the assumption that everything that the Master does to mess with, undermine, destroy humanity is all done out of jealousy. You have
0: a very poor opinion of me, don't you, Doctor?
1: All the Master has ever wanted is the Doctor's attention, in whatever way that that comes, and threatening humanity seems to be like the way to get it, and also the way to undermine that that he has aligned himself with, as opposed to aligning himself with the Master.
0: On the flip side of that, do you think that the Doctor's reluctance to kill the Master kind of sells out his commitment to humanity? Wilf kind of says, don't you dare... Put him before them. Put him above everyone else. And mm-hmm. that's actually a sentiment that's kind of echoed much later by... If you have ever let this creature live, everything that happened today is on you. Clara is of it. On you. ...death in heaven. And you're not going to let her live again. Clara. Yeah. And I mean, she, she can talk because two episodes later, she's Missy's companion. Teamwork is all about respect. We're not a team. Right. <laughs> of course we are. Do you think that the Doctor is kind of selling out humanity by going soft on the Master?
1: Yeah but also that's never not going to be the case. That's obviously one of his flaws is that he has this immensely screwed up, codependent relationship with this person who is out to murder everything that he loves. And you can't justify that. I don't think there's any proper justification. It's another one of his weaknesses. Like he just can't bring himself to do it. And I think that, you know, when we see the payoff for that, is when we see because he's right. Missy
0: because it's time to stand with him.
1: decide to stand with the doctor and you realize suddenly it's that it's where like, we've
0: always been going and it's happening now today that was always possible it's time to stand with the doctor
1: both of them feel that if circumstances were right or if they just try hard enough that they can change this person they both feel that way and they're both like as pig-headed as as any two beings can be and for the doctor to let go of the idea you could be so wonderful of is it? turning the master you're a genius you're stone cold brilliant you are I swear you really are is just but you could be so much more You could be beautiful. Also, it's just story-wise never going to happen. Like, I I don't know how well I can explain, like, why that's the case. It's just, like, the Daleks are never going to be eradicated. The Master is, like, never going to be fully gone or fully good. The Doctor is never going to kill them. You can't justify it. And I think he would rather sacrifice himself in front of Wilf than kill the Master in the name of saving humanity. And, like, what does that mean? It means that this guy, like, has always needed serious therapy. And uh, that's why we love him. Yeah.
0: There's one thing I always meant to ask Jack. I I think about that... Back in the old days.
1: ...moment in Torchwood. I
0: wanted to know about that doctor of his. All those times in history when there was no sign of him. I wanted to know why not. When
1: they're talking about... I
0: don't need to ask anymore.
1: How ashamed... I know the answer now. ...the doctor would be of humanity. Sometimes the doctor must look at this planet Hmm. and turn away in shame. And, uh, (laughs) like, I would not... A religious person, and I don't believe that the doctor is real. But I think about these things a lot. You know, I think about that just in theoretical terms of like, if there was somebody who knew everything who saw what was going on? Like, what would their concept be of this? Would they be proud of us? Would they be ashamed? You know, what would that be? And I think that when the doctor who has just, he's been through some stuff, like he's been through some serious stuff, he's been like the worst version of himself. He knows that he is about to die and he's seen some terrible aspects of humanity across all these many, many years and terrible aspects of every race that he's come into contact with. And I think that especially now in this political climate, it is very easy to get disheartened and to feel like no one has anyone else's best interest at heart. And I think just like the doctor saying to Wolf in this moment, essentially, like, I'm proud of all of you that you keep trying because that's what that is reads to me mm. that you like literally get up every day and try to do this over and over again. That resonates with me a lot right now when it is like very, very difficult to like get up in the morning and look at Twitter, God forbid, put on the news, which I don't. I don't know. It's just like you are screwing up at every possible turn and you're selfish and you're vain and you're violent and you're all these different things. But there is this level of hope and of uh, attempting to to change.
0: Yeah, and to, to see him have that thought, to have that observation of humanity and ultimately act on it. Right. And that the line between the thought and the action is complicated and hard and sometimes involves him yelling and throwing things, but yeah. <laughs> he gets there anyway.
1: Yeah, I'm like, mood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, mood indeed.
1: Mood. Because the Doctor doesn't live in absolutes. He's lived too long to know that anything is always one way or never this way. It's the progress that he respects and cherishes the most. And so I think that is like a
0: good reminder for
1: life itself.
0: That's this week's moment. Thanks to Sage Young for joining me to give me another chance to talk about this unjustly controversial Doctor Who story. If you'd like to know more about Sage, you can follow her on Twitter at Sage Youngest. And you can find Head Over Feels, which she co-runs with Kim Rogers, at headoverfeels.com. You can also find more of her writing over at bustle.com, where she is their movies editor. Visit themomentpod.com for links and show notes in previous episodes of this show, this very show. If you follow the show on Twitter, at The Moment Pod, then you will see the tweets that are posted to the show's Twitter account. Support the show at patreon.com slash themomentpod, and it will receive some of your money, but only the money which you offer voluntarily. We are very strict on that point. I'm Tom Dickinson, and I'll be back in a moment.